Amen. You can be seated. And I wonder if that's your prayer this morning, whether you would invite God, invite Jesus to speak what is true over your life. And, and I, I wonder if you could ask yourself, did I come in with, with the idea that I want to I come here and I want to hear something that I want to hear from God, or, or did you come this morning saying, I, I want to hear from God. I want him to change something in me because I want to tell you it's a very subtle difference. Both are coming and saying, I, I kind of want to hear something from God, but, there's, but there's, there's a subtle difference in our lives that says this. Do I want to hear the truth of God spoken over my heart or do I want to insert my truth that I want God to speak over my life? Am I going to come to God and, and, and am I going to bring to him what he's going to speak over my life or is he going to bring to me? Another way of saying this would be, do I create truth or is truth created? And so here's the question, like if there really is truth, and it's not just a truth that's your truth, but it's truth that exists outside of you and outside of time and space, and if that truth is real, why wouldn't you want that inserted into your life and brought to reality in everyday life? Because last week we were talking about how Jesus has saved us from darkness. He saved us from the controlling influence of darkness. He's saved us from this idea of darkness in our life. We perpetuate darkness in our lives when we try to find and create our identity outside of God. And darkness comes in and darkness envelops who we are and, it, and it, it's enveloped our world, no doubt. As we saw in many dysfunctions that we see in our world and we say the world's not getting better it's getting worse and america as a country should be one of the greatest uh places to grow up but yet uh increased violence and increased um suicide increased death this is what we talked about last week. And this week, what we're talking about is this, is that Jesus saves us from ourselves. Because here's the thing, we come to Jesus a lot of times and we try to make ourselves right with him. We try to make ourselves be the one who is the controlling influence. We try to be the ones who are creating truth. And what happens is this, is that it creates darkness it creates chaos and disorder in our lives. I remember just this summer, I was uh, hanging out with my family, and, and a good friend of mine is a member of a country club here in town. And uh, I am not a member of a country club. And, um, and so uh, they invited us to come swimming with them at the local country club. And so we uh, got in the car, and as I'm driving into this country club, I, have, I don't think I'd ever really been to the, you know, the pool area or what, what have you, but there's a sense of, you know, I, I just, there's, there's kind of a sense of I don't belong here necessarily. There, there's a sense of, you know, do I measure up here? Do I measure up here? And so I'm driving in and, and I'm thinking about my vehicle. That's the first thing that sticks out to me. Does my vehicle belong here? Well, I had a 1999 Suburban 
that uh, I had basically replaced everything on and I was tired of it. And so I uh, finally got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm selling that thing. And so we bought a newer vehicle that's seven years old with 150,000 miles on it, but it looks like it's really new. And so I'm, I'm, I'm driving a 2007 uh, Suburban. And so we're driving into uh, the country club and I'm thinking, I think I fit in here, right? I mean, no one can really tell whether this is a 2007 or a 2014. And so I'm, you know, I'm kind of fitting in here and I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And so we go in and we begin to, to swim and, and uh, my wife had asked me to go out to the car. And she said, would you go out and get something for me? And I said, certainly. And so I uh, go out to the car because we speak to each other like that all the time. Uh, <laughs> um, no comment. Um, so I go out to the car, and you know, I just want to say, there might have been a little bit of swagger as I'm walking out to, my, uh, out to my 2007 Suburban, and you know, I have one of those fancy remote controls that probably everybody in here has. I'm kind of a new thing for me to have one that works, but um, I uh, was walking out there, and our remote control has one of those fancy, like, hatchback buttons on it, right? So I'm, you know, walking out to the car, and I thought, you know what? It's kind of cool to see that thing go up. And, and I'm not going to say that I just kind of wanted to brag that I have this button on my remote, but there's a little bit of me that wanted to kind of display uh, the uh, features of my vehicle as I was fitting in. Now, mind you, we were just about uh, getting ready to move, and so my wife had recently gone and picked up, it must have been a thousand cardboard boxes that were stacked and they were all in the back of the car, and I knew that, um, but I did not know how they were stacked in the back of the car. So as I'm walking out in the parking lot that has lots of nice vehicles in it, I'm walking out to it, I hit the button, and then all of a sudden, the realization that I have a million cardboard boxes in the back of my vehicle, all of a sudden, uh, comes to my mind as every single one of those boxes slid out of the back of the Suburban and all over the parking lot. And it looks like my vehicle, if vehicles can, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that, all right? I was trying to think of a nice way of saying that, but we're just going to leave it at that. My vehicle left a mess all over the parking lot. And so what I thought to myself was I could get very mad right now or I could laugh hysterically, and I laughed hysterically. And the thing that I realized is that God is so funny. God, it's so fun. I, I come in here, and there's this angst in me, like, do I fit in here? And God just kind of shows me. <laughs> Who cares? You know, we come to God like that sometimes, and we try to come before him into his world, and we try to act like I'm in control of this, and I'm, I'm in control of the things that are in my life, and I'm in control of the way that things happen. And I, I measure up in all of these areas. And I'm, and, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm doing all right. But what happens is, like, we're, we're sitting here and we're, we're, we're ordering our life and we're, we're trying to make things happen. And what's taking place is chaos slips out. Disorder slips out of our life. And the question is, is how does that happen? How does that happen that chaos results from us just simply trying to control the events of our lives? 
And simply because we're trying to be the one who's speaking truth and saying that this is the truth. And it's essentially because we try to be the ones who are creating truth rather than having that truth spoken over our lives. We try to be the ones who are in charge. I want you to take a look at this video here of one of our elders' wives, Shara Donahue. She is um, one of our uh, Bible study leaders and a great wom woman of God. Would you take a look at this video? So my mom used to have a quote for each of her children. And for me, it was, you are not an island. And that made me mad. I remember having conversations with her and actually getting angry with her because she said, what I did affected her, it affected others. But I liked to live my life. It was my life. Thank God that YOLO was not a thing then because it probably would have been my tattoo. It was terrible. I just lived my life. I thought I was following my heart. I wanted there to be no consequences. I wanted there to just be life and just be fun. It wasn't until those things didn't bring happiness and they brought pain that I realized that life doesn't truly begin until you get to the end of yourself. I wouldn't have said it, but I was acting as my own God. I had heard of God, I had heard of Jesus, and I had this part of me that definitely liked Jesus because he forgives sins. But I looked at the things that he said not to do, and I thought, well, that's not fun. So I'll make my own version of God. But I was a bad God and my idea of who God was was bad as well because I had this elevated view of self and I had this little view of God. Until that point, living for myself just made me a walking statistic. I was that teen that got in the car accident the night of the dance. I was the woman who was sexually and physically abused. I was the person who met Jesus in a puddle of tears but he comforted, he comforted me and he came and he lifted my head and he said, I can make you new. That took dying to self. And the things that I chased and the things that I went after, they never brought real life. They never felt as good as I thought that they would. They never built the kingdom for me that I wanted. The day I started to look at who he said he was, I found more life. I found true life. I found that the things he asked me not to do were not to keep me from having fun, but to give me the life that I was designed for. Keeping my eyes on Jesus means that daily I'm dying to myself. I show up on center stage a lot, every day. It's hard to escape self. I see myself in the mirror multiple times a day. I'm always there, but so is he. And so I take my eyes off myself again, and I look at him. And each morning I try to remind myself, it's not about me, it's about him. If I wanna live true life, if I wanna have true purpose, if I wanna have true freedom to live 
a life abundant. I must be looking at him. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Shara. Very pumped about that. She talks about how she shows up on center stage a lot. Um, isn't that true of all of us? We try to be the ones who are in control. We try to be the ones who are making things happen. Um, but in the end, what, what's created is disorder in our lives. We're talking about how Jesus saves and how Jesus specifically saves us from these things in our lives. And this is kind of more of a general view that we're talking about right now, that he's saving us from ourselves. He's saving us from us getting in there and saying, I know how this thing should work. And I know how this thing should be manipulated. And I know what should take place. And so how do we do that? We do that in many ways by breaking the second commandment. We're going to get to the passage here in a minute out of Colossians. But the first commandment says this, that you should have no other gods before me. The first of the Ten Commandments. You should have no other gods before me. But the, the second commandment is essentially that we should not try to change God. That we should not try to create out of the living God and try to reduce him to these uh, specific things. It's saying, I believe in God, but I would never believe in a God who does this. I would never believe in a God who sends people to hell, or I'd never believe in a God who, uh, who has uh, wiped out this people group through his own people in, in uh, Old Testament times. I would never believe in that God. But here's the thing, is that what, what we're saying is this, is that what we're saying is, I'm the one who should be able to create truth. I'm the one who should be able to create this God. And ultimately what it comes down to is there's one way through the first commandment to say, I'm going to worship another God. There's another way to say, I want this God, but he's going to be a God of my preferences. He's going to be the God that I manipulate. He's going to be the God that I foist upon my desires. And I, and I, and I give him his personality traits and I make him into what I want him to be. But here's the thing about doing that. You would never do that knowingly or never want to do that knowingly. And in fact, more so, you would never want that done to yourself. Take racism, sexism, classism. Those ideas within the context of racism and, and sexism is especially, there's a caricature of somebody that we have or a stereotype of a specific people group of the things that they buy, or the places that they go, or the things that they eat, or the way that they like to dress. There's, there's things that we, we put on, so, well, oh, you're uh, a man, and so you just, you always do this. Or you're a woman, and so that, you know, you just, you do that. This is what you want. But nobody likes that, right? No one likes to be classified as, well, I'm just a man, and so I just, I have to follow these things. And really what we'd say is that's sexism. We'd say that's racism because here's what's happening, is that one person is taking an idea that they have of another person, 
And they're saying, these are the ideas that I have of them. And instead of going to that person and finding out who they really are, what foods they really like to eat, and the types of relationships that they're in or what have you, I'm going to say from a distance, I'm going to say, this is who you are. And this is what you're like. And we call that racism. And we call that sexism. We call that intolerant. But you know what? Nobody has a problem when we do it to God. When we say to God, you know what? This is who I think you are. You should accept me based on my preferences. You should take me in based on who I am. Or you know what? God, I don't want you to be this holy. Or I don't want you to be this much in control. Because then I wouldn't really like you like that. And so I'm going to diminish this, and this is going to be my truth. This is my God. This is who I serve. But here's the thing. That's just putting on God what you think, and all that is is a lie. It's a caricature. It's a stereotype. And what you're doing is you're essentially saying something that isn't true. And we want to be here this morning. We, we want to say, here's my life. Speak what is true over me. I don't want to be the one who's center stage. A little bit like that pot calling the kettle black as I'm on center stage, right? Uh, I don't want to be on center stage of my life. And most of the time people get to this realization when they go, life really doesn't work. It's easy to find stories like this when you're talking uh, about the music industry or what have you. Last week I gave a short story of, about one uh, music icon. Um, the other night I uh, thought, you know, I, I just want to read another story, read another story about a lead guitarist from a, from a once popular band that I never listened to and I couldn't understand why people would listen to it, but I, uh, you know, read his story and you can see through that how he ordered and how he dealt with life in a way that continually sent him in a place that was going down and going down and going down. His life became more and more and more unmanageable and disordered and chaotic. And why is that? It's because his life is pretty much a magnification of our life. Because when you're a rock star, you get everything. When you're a rock star, you have everything at your fingertips because money comes to you relationships come and it moves so much quicker and so many of us would be in that same spot if our heart's desires were met and if we said this is what I want in life I want to achieve this greatness and we would go to the same place but here's the thing oftentimes we don't go down as bad as they do but we have other bits of chaos in our lives and other bits of disorder Tim Keller says this, by the way, any good point that I ever make, just assume that it came from Tim Keller. Um, I quoted him last week, and I, I can't get away from it. Um, I forget what he said now, so it was a really great thought. Uh, um, I really did forget it, so I'm going to keep going here. Um, when we create, uh, when, we, when we try to make our own God, what happens is this. is that chaos and disorder takes place because we've created a God of our own liking and of our own desire and we haven't looked at who he truly is and so I want you to take a look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 
And what we're looking at here is we're not picking out every single theme. In each one of these verses, we could spend a large amount of time talking about the theological principles that are found here. I want to draw out one thing, how Jesus saves us. And I want you to try to see a theme in here if you don't, um, if you haven't already. Chapter 1, verse 15 says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now one of the things that really stands out to me among many things is this. The emphasis on He. He is Jesus. He Himself, Him. It's He is before all things. He is the beginning. All things were created through Him and for Him. That He might be preeminent. Which is, He might be first. He might come first. But there's one little... One little thought there in verse 21 that says, and you, and you. And so what we can look at this and say is this, and he is all of these things 17 times, all of these great things. He's the creator. It's all for him. It's all about him. All of these things, and you, and you. When we come to God and we say, uh, here I am, my beautiful suburban, check it out. Here's who I am, here's my life. But here, and you, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, he's talking to Christian people and he's saying this. He's saying, if you're a Christian and you don't understand something about where you stand with God, then you're missing one of the biggest aspects of your Christian life, which is this. If you miss the fact that you're alienated from God and that you're hostile in mind and that you're doing evil deeds, that all of us are in that place without God 
And that even after we sin, we, or I'm sorry, even after we come to faith in Jesus Christ, that we still have this life of sin that we're dealing with and we're reconciling and that we're not all better, as it were, but understanding where we are and understanding where God is. See, what happens in the Christian life is that we somehow receive Jesus Christ or we believe that we receive Jesus Christ and then we think, okay, I'm going to go on and now I'm going to order my life. And it's just going gonna, gonna to be me and Jesus. Um, Jesus is in the car with me. I'm in the driver's seat. Jesus, you tell me where to go. You tell me where to go. Jesus is my co-pilot. Jesus is next to me. But there's something that's missing there. And what's missing is that he is preeminent. He's first and he's foremost. And so what Tim Keller says, underneath each bit of chaos and disorder in our life is a corresponding lie that we've believed about God. There's a lie that we've believed there's a, there's a corresponding image that we've carved of God. See, there's one way to worship another God altogether, but there's another way to distort God and to say, this is who you are, and to limit who he is, and to say, this is, this is who you are. And so what happens is this. There's a corresponding distortion. There's chaos. Look inside of your life, and, you, and, and if you were to look at the areas of your life that are chaotic or distorted or that are not going well, what you need to understand is this, is that there is an area there that you've believed something that's not true about God. You believe that somehow you need to control, that somehow you need to be the creator, that somehow all things originate with you. Look, read this in a new light with me. And this is going to be totally blasphemous, all right? I'll just... Uh, Verse 15, I am the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And by me, all things in my life are created, whether in my home or in my work or in the, the various areas of my life, I've created them. I have all authority. All things were created by me and for me. And I am before all things. And in me, all things hold together. Do you know the weight of that? In me, all things hold together. It is all on me. All of life is created because of me. I've made this world. And so what happens is this. Excessive pride, self-glorification, ambition. This is who I am and this is what I'm doing. But you know what comes as a result of failure? Is ultimate self-loathing. You know what comes as a result? Is chaos and disorder. And it comes on both sides, but oftentimes you don't see it when you're high on that mountaintop. When things are going well, when the checks are coming in, when the relationship is good, when the relationship is new and exciting, but when it gets bad or when you get caught or when things don't go well, chaos results and it's because of this. It's because you came to center stage and I came to center stage and we said, I am the image of the invisible God. And by me, everything is created 
And I'm before all things, and in me all things hold together. And I'm the head of this, that, and the other thing. Don't you see that every single one of us, when we create chaos in our lives, the reason is, is because we have a distorted view. We've created a graven image of the real God. We've limited who he is. And there may be facets of God that we believe, but there's other facets of God that we miss altogether. You may be somebody who really loves the love and the grace of God through Jesus Christ, but you can't imagine a wrathful God and you say, I, I, I can't deal with it. That's not my God. How dare you speak of the wrath of God? But the thing that you're missing is this, is that that isn't what I've come up with. That is the truth of God. And if you myopically look at God and you say, I just want to see the love of God without the wrath of God, you miss something altogether. Because the love of God is the greatest bandage, salve for the wrath of God. And you might say, I don't like that idea of an angry God who's going to punish, and yet he sends his son, and the son is going to come, and somehow this seems like divine child abuse, and I don't like it. But here's the thing. This is who God reveals himself to be. And I can look at him, and I can say, you know what? I don't really like those things about you. I would never serve a God like that. But all that is is just to stereotype him. All that is is just a caricature of who you think God should be. All that is is essentially... Racism, sexism, towards God, except in an ultimate way. Do you realize that when you reject the things of God, or when you say that, you know, I like these things, but I don't like those things, that you're avoiding the truth of God? Somebody who knows Jesus is somebody who comes to him and says, here's my heart. And I want you to speak what is true into me. And somebody who comes to God and says, I want to create my own God, is somebody who says, here's my heart. And from that, this is what is true of you. One of them receives truth, and one of them gives truth. And I'll let you decide Who's trying to be God here? We try over and over and over again to be the God of our own universe. We drive into the country club and we say, I'm okay. I've got this together. But then life happens and there's a big mess. And you can see what happens as a result. And so the rest of this passage, let me just briefly go through this and just say, verse 15, he's the image of the invisible God. The invisible God is in some ways a projector. And what he projects is the person of Jesus. To make an image of God or try to create something out of him is to distort who Jesus is. He is the image of God, and when we see Jesus, we see God. 
He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That does not mean that he is part of creation. He is the uncreated one. He came before creation and he's always existed, which means he's uncreated. He's always been there. He's the one that's been a part of create. He's the one that's been involved in, in creation and creating things. Verse 16, for by him all things were created, as I was just saying, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. This means that Jesus is the creator and he's created all things. And all things, me, this life, my work, my family, sex, money, power, all things were created through him and for him. What this means is that sex or money or your work or even family is not evil, but they were created through Jesus for our enjoyment to glorify him. When our lives get disordered, what happens is this, is we say, I don't believe that this is for him, and it's ultimately for me. And so what this means is that I believe that my ultimate pleasure, what I believe to be my ultimate good, this is my truth now, and so I'll act in any way that I see fit. That's how life gets disordered. Verse 17 and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So he exists outside of time. He's eternal. And yet everything that exists today, right here and right now, right up until this very point and through eternity, exists in and through Jesus. Why is this important for you to know? How can you serve a God that is not in the details of your life? If you're struggling with life and, and you're struggling with feeling like life is out of control and I don't know what to do and I need to control these things in my life and I need to take the role of God and I need to make sure that all these things aren't happening, there's something you don't believe. There's a corresponding disbelief in who Jesus is. And that is this. He's before all things. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. I am not before all things. And in me, all things do not hold together. And so what this means is this, is that I can trust him. Because he's holding all things together. And you might say, well, my life feels like it's falling apart because he's not holding that together. But Jesus sovereignly is involved in the details of your life. And you may be going through pain and struggle and difficulty, but Jesus knows. And he's in the midst of the details of life. And you can say this, I trust you. Because I know that you went to the cross for me. I know that, that life wasn't out of control in your life. If it was, then you're just a man and it just happened to you. And you're just a good moral teacher. And so I'll try to be moral until you begin to fail and you realize you can't measure up. And so what you must believe, what you must see is the real truth. And that is that Jesus is the creator. 
He comes before all things and he is involved in all things, even at this moment. And so you can trust him. And he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And what this means is simply this. You will hear very often in news media coverage that the church is out of step with where culture is, as though somehow the church is subservient to culture, as if I've created God. Many of you have heard about uh, the Houston mayor who's demanded the sermons from various um, pastors relating to homosexuality, wanting to bring charges upon them. There's another pastor in Idaho right now that I just read about even last night who's refused to do uh, gay marriages. And I, I believe many of these people love people who are in the homosexual lifestyle. They love them, care about them. They just believe the Bible about what homosexuality has to say. And so they have grace towards them, and yet our culture is saying, you're out of step with who, with who we are. We've created truth, and the truth is the law in this respect, and you must obey this. But he is the head of the church. Why is this important right now? It's because of this. Because as the wind and the waves and the accusations and the charges increase, and as our country continues to go down that road, and I believe that it will, we have an incredible opportunity to say this, take what you will from me. Take, take it all. Because Jesus is the head of the church. And I am not, and you are not, and culture is not. Jesus is the head of the church. And he's the beginning. And he's a first fruits from the dead, meaning he was resurrected first. That in everything, he might be first. That means in every area, he's before all things. He's existed always. He's eternal. But then he's the first one to be raised from the dead. And it's just simply this, so that he can be first in everything. He is preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He not only shows us who God is, he is God. The fullness of God is dwelling within him. The fullness of God is embodied in who Jesus is. And God is pleased to dwell in him. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with truth? Or are you trying to take control? Do you trust him with your life? Or are you trying to create another God out of this God? Because here's the good news. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, by the blood of his cross. Why did he have to do that? Because people like you and me have disordered lives. We're alienated from God. 
and we create chaos and we create disorder you know what the scriptures say the scriptures say that we deserve death and say, I don't like that truth but it's just truth stands outside of what you and I think and what we believe we deserve death we deserve nothing we deserve all the punishment but it says here that Jesus he makes peace this means that disorder becomes order in our life this means that chaos becomes a new creation and it's because the blood that was spilled because he went to the cross and he says in verse 22 he says he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him and when you come to Jesus and you say I I'm not good enough and I'm not living up to this life and I'm not this it's another way of creating your own God because you're trying to rewrite the story and you're trying to rewrite what's going on and you have a God complex when you say I don't believe I measure up because God says this over you he says you are holy and you are blameless and you're above reproach in front of him if you're his disbelief in who God is extends into my shame of what I've done in the past and what I feel like is going to happen in the future of how I don't measure up or what I'm not doing right disbelief in God extends into every area of our life and it creates disorder and Jesus comes in and he saves you and he saves me from ourselves he saves me from myself and he says you cannot be the one who's in control or in charge you are not God and you cannot tell me how this is supposed to go I'm forgiving you no matter what you are blameless you are holy you're above reproach because I say that you are not because you did anything and the truth of the gospel will pervade your life if you believe that and if you don't you will have disorder and you will have chaos in the areas where you choose to disbelieve it if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard do you receive God as he is through Jesus Christ or have you imagined a new God there's one way to tell look at the chaos in your life look at the disorder look at the areas that are out of control and you will see an underlying disbelief a falsehood something that you've put on God a new truth that you've tried to create or you've tried to say I am the image of the invisible God and when you say it like that you see how ridiculous that is and so Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 and following is so great for us because we get to say with Paul he is this and he is the creator 
and he's before all things. And he has said these things about me that I'm blameless and I'm holy even though I know that I've got stuff in my past and I know that I'm never going to measure up. But he says this about me and he is and he is and he is. But I am this. But he is. And he is and he is and he is. Jesus saves me from myself. Preach that sermon to you. You say, I'm not a preacher. You better start. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, here's our heart. Speak what is true. Some of us have believed the lie that I'm in control. And some of us have believed the lie that I have no value. And some of us have believed lie after lie after lie that our enemy has brought into our world as darkness pervades every area of our society and our lives and our hearts. But God, hears our hearts. Speak what is true. Tell us who you are. Allow us not to create new gods or to try to make you into something else that you are not. Lord, allow us to believe the scriptures that you are everything. And that you're the creator and that you're the one who has the ability to make things new. Some of us need to believe that this morning. In fact, all of us do. Things don't have to be the way that they are. You can make things new. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone. And it's gone. And the new has come. And all this has come from God. And it's through Jesus Christ. And so this, this holy God who's who's everything and is, who's in control of all things I believe what he wants to say this morning is what he's said through his son Jesus come to me all who are weary and heavy laden Come to me, everyone who feels like a failure. Come to me, everyone who's tired of trying to order their own life. Come to me. Because only I can give you rest. I'm the only thing that gives rest. I'm the only one who can change your desires. I'm the only one who can give you new life. I'm the only one who can make you into a new creation. I'm the only one. And everything else is just a God substitute. And everything else just tries to be God in your life. And everything else is just trying to fill an empty void that only I was meant to fill. 
and everything else is just going to lead to chaos and everything else just leads to hell. And so come to me. If you are heavy laden, and come to me. If you need rest, and come to me. If you know that you've blown it, I give rest. I wonder if there's somebody here that this morning that knows that they need rest. That the endless treadmill of trying to either be a good person or make something of themselves, they just realize that it's not working. The endless life of just trying and trying it's just it isn't working and you need to trust Jesus this morning and you see that and I just want to ask you if you would just in just a moment if you would just stand and I just want to pray for you I just want to invite you to stand and there may be someone and then there may be no one but I just want to pray for you if you see I have disorder in my life and I want it to be ordered I want to continue in faith or I want to begin faith with Jesus and if that's you, I, I, just, I just want to ask you to stand right now. I just want to ask you to stand, and I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone else that would say that my, here's my heart, speak what is true over me. Lord, I need truth in my life. And I need something else. so blessed that you stood Lord Jesus I want to pray for these souls that are represented and even for those that didn't stand God for those that are that are seeing the disorder of their lives and they're seeing how they have not trusted you God I'm 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 so thankful that you've opened their hearts to allow them to see where they need you. So Lord Jesus, would you fill them in every aspect because you have all the fullness of God and you are God and you can and you will bring truth. So Jesus, we ask you for this this morning. God, would you, would you empower these men and these women and the inner man or the inner woman? God, would you empower them through your spirit and fuse them with your strength? to live a new life because of your grace and your acceptance of them. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. This morning we're going to go to communion and to the Lord's table. And there's actually several Lord's tables around here. There's two in the back and two in the front right here. And I just want to invite you just right away. Let's just, let's gather together as a body and let's partake of communion. Just grab the cup and the bread. Let's do that right now and let's thank Jesus for what he's done. Spend a few moments in prayer, just you and Jesus, and just say, Lord, where have I looked to speak truth over you? How can you speak truth over me? Where do I need to receive that? Let's do that right now.